Well, the thing is, Keith, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't, if you don't lay down boundaries, you know, they're going to take, they're going to take liberties, and that, that's just the way it is. Yes, thank you to Colin in Cheshire there calling on our debate about whether all magpies in Great Britain should be hunted down and killed by the state. We're now going to be taking in your song requests. I believe I have got Pete on the line in Basingstoke. Pete, are you there? Hi, Keith. It's, uh, it's great to be here. I've been a big fan of your show for a long time. And uh, let me tell you, when I was back in South Africa, we didn't have any problems with magpies. We didn't take any shit from birds, OK? <laughs> Hi, Pete. Great to have you. Do do just watch the language for me, though. Um, now, you've got a song request. Is that right? Yeah, of course. Uh, I know that a lot of your listeners, uh, like me, they're big fans of Johannes Vonk and the Clockheads. And uh, I've often been surprised that uh, the biggest Johannes Vonk and the Clockheads hit in, in South Africa, my home country, it's not really known here in the UK, even though the band are huge. So I really want to request uh, this one song that they made uh, when they made, they came to South Africa in the 1980s. And they, uh, they met a guy, South African guy, a military guy, and they were so impressed by him that uh, they wrote a song all about his life and about the, the code that he lived by. And that guy's name was uh, Jerk Van der Klerk, and the song is called Warriors Hub. So I'd like you to put that on for me, please, Keith, and I hope your listeners are really going to enjoy it. Pete, that's a great request. I do actually know the track. Uh, I've been looking this up, and apparently it was number one in South Africa for eight weeks in 1987, if you believe that, but it did not chart in the UK. So this is one for real clog heads in the UK. As as Pete said, the song is called Warrior's Heart, and uh, it contains a very, a very touching dedication at the end. We'll get that on for you now, Pete. Thanks very much. Cheers, Keith. I'll catch you later. I've got a warrior's heart I'm living life on the edge When it comes to an African nation The highest bidder's got my pledge I got a warrior's heart I put my life on the line What they want to do with Equatorial Guinea That's no business of mine That's no business of mine No business of mine I'll never face the ICC They'll never put the chains on me There's no Dutch caught in Harlem that could cancel me I got a warrior's heart I'm paid for risking my life Middle Eastern oil fields are my children And blood diamonds are my wife I got a warrior's heart I live my life by the blade I don't care if you're a fascist dictator As long as I'm still getting paid I'm still getting paid I'm still getting paid I'm still getting paid I'll never face the ICC Don't ever put the chains on That was the new 
Johannes Vonk and the Clogheads track, uh, <laughs> Warrior's Heart. Yeah. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed... I, I mean, I can tell you I, this. I sure hope it was. At the yeah. time of recording, it's not done yet. <laughs> At the time of release, it hopefully is. Uh, or maybe Johannes Vonk and the Clogheads have become a very experimental band who like to play with the silence. Yeah, it's, it's like actually they're doing a cover of 433 by John Cage. Um, I think the song is very long, so I think probably the but the better part of the song is probably going to be at the end. Yeah, You you in the future will have heard an, an excerpt of the song. And uh-huh. if you wish to listen to the whole song, you're going to have to wait for the end of the episode. Or fast forward to about six minutes before the end of the episode. Yeah, but then be sure to rewind back. To hear. Yeah, to hear the yeah. episode that we're going to do. Look, it's a good show. And that means you should work for it. Yeah. Because if you didn't have to work for it, wh- why would you care? If you want to listen to the show all out of order like it's Memento, that's your decision. But you have to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> Couldn't be some right. kind of like podcast Columbo. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joining us. Memento. <laughs> good gracious. Mm. Uh, joining us uh, in our uh, efforts to uh, baffle, confuse, and frustrate you yeah. <laughs> is uh, Owen Hatherley. Owen, how's it going? It's uh, been better. It's been. Yeah, <laughs> true. Mm. Um, we uh, we are uh, going to be talking about a number of um, a, a number a number of different things today that are sort of in your uh, purview and bailiwick, uh, namely not the purview and the bailiwick. Yeah, both of them. Fucking hell. Uh, namely, uh, we are going to be discussing um, a, a subject that has been interesting me for the last, I think, probably I'd say year and a bit. Mm. Uh, which is the growth of sort of Barrett Homes taking over uh, of the two percent of the of Britain that's used for uh, building homes on uh, an yeah. increasing percentage of that percent is Barrett Homes and as an urbanist and uh, sort of critic of sort of architecture, urban design, housing, and so on, I was hoping you could help us understand just what Barrett Homes is. Sure. Um- you want me to answer this question? Um, so, uh, yes, please. So they are, they are a property developer and builder um, who've been around for a good few decades, but probably became best known in the 1980s for churning out large quantities of houses, which were kind of like, they looked a bit like if you sort of shrunk a Victorian house. So a sort of similar thing with kind of like little kind of porches and, brick and pitch roofs and so on. Um, but you kind of reduce the size by about a quarter. And rather than be, them being in a kind of street or a grid, like Victorian terraces or semis usually were, they are in cul-de-sacs designed to be kind of easily reached by car. And they kind of spread across suburban areas, particularly in the southeast um, in the 80s, to the point where uh, one of the larger ones was moved into by Margaret Thatcher. And they now, I suppose they're a kind of developer like any other. They they, they do modern blocks of flats sometimes even, which at, at one point was exactly the thing that they were sort of supposed to be the alternative to. So they just kind of churn out kind of crap housing, really. And they're kind of, I mean, they're, they're one of several um, companies that do things like this, like Persimmon, um, Taylor Woodrow, they all sort of do similar sort of stuff. But Barrett just did so many in the 80s and 90s, and they advertised them very aggressively. So they kind of mm. they kind of become a you know a sort of synonym for a particular kind of kind of British crap housing. 
If, if you say mm. Barrett, Barrett home, Barrett house, you think of one of those sort of like reddish brick boxes, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a house that just that just sucks. I did, they had it. They were running an ad campaign. I'm pretty sure it was Barrett. If it wasn't Barrett, it was one of their one of their imitators mm-hmm. being like, "Why buy an old house that you renovate when you could buy into a new house that you don't need to renovate?" By Barrett Homes, and it's like because it's shit. That's why. Uh, and I think this is this will sort of puzzle American listeners a little bit. Like, why are you talking about just like? Uh, a suburban, yeah. a suburban mm. house developer, like the guys, the guys who do the British McMansions, the guy who do the British, the guys who do the British McMansions that mm. just became popular in the eighties. And one of the reasons that you talk about this, uh, I think, on a politics show, is um, that that Barrett has been uh, much more very close. Barrett, in particular, and the house builders in general, have been very, very, very closely tied in to, I'd say, the political development of the UK since uh, the. Well, since, as you say, Owen, like mm. the the '80s, the late '70s, right? They they have they have created they have they have been driving the suburbanization of the country, which I I think actually in turn has been driving the Americanization of the country as well. Mm. Um, and well, the thing about these house builders is they have a lot of pull at the new market jockeys enclosure. <laughs> and how are British cabinet ministers to resist the kind of treats that are on offer? <laughs> Um, and I mean, there's also there also is the 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 Barrett man as well, ah. right? That this that's I think exists as a kind of people who like to define demographics love to define uh lo- have been sort of trying to define the Barrett man, sort mm. of um England's in- England's sort of like classic suburban dweller. Where yeah. I think in in America this has been sort of so entrenched for so long. Yeah, they're you, almost it, mm. in America. You yeah. call that guy the middle class, right? Because it impl- yeah. that mm. that already implies uh, white. It already kind of implies male. It kind of implies like suburban. Um, mm. Here we've tried to do like we've tried doing that through the guy's car, like Mondeo man. Uh, yep. oh, yeah. and now we're taking another crack at it with his house. <laughs> mm. and th- I think I I think there has been. It's it, it and what's weird, right? Is whether this person drives a Mon- drives a Mondeo or lives in a Barrett home, mm. they're always sort of seen as like the linchpin political demographic yeah. of Britain. I mean, I, Owen, what's your? Do you have a sort of understanding of like what the Barrett Homes demographic man is when people say Barrett man? I mean, to be honest, I think it's quite a different thing now than it was in the nineteen eighties in the. And that's to do with the, the kind of changes in political geography since then. So in the 80s, you know, it was very, very obvious who it referred to. It referred to people in Essex and Kent and generally maybe West Midlands, well, Southampton, basically places where like people had moved out of industrial areas, moved out of council estates and, you know, got themselves out of the working class into the middle class. So it sort of defined a particular yeah. kind of, you know, bourgeoisification of, 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 of people, particularly in the, the more affluent bits of the UK. Um, and, you know, obviously New Labour made enormous efforts to kind of, uh, you know, appeal to those people. And Mondeo Man comes from one of their, one of their things, the kind of idea of, you know, how, do we, how do we connect with these people? And they defined Mondeo Man and Worcester Woman. Um, mm-hmm. The two kind of centres of, of this, there. I think Mondeo Man was seen to be women who love exactly. sauce. So, well, I mean, it's specifically more about the West Midlands. I think you know the West mm. Midlands, like London, was sort of full of people sort of drifting out into these kind of 
somewhat characterless mm. places. Um, whereas, obviously, I, I assume you're going to start talking about Dino quite soon, but I'll leave you to discuss Dino. Yes. But on, on, on Dino, mm. I will say, pretty much anyone that canvassed, particularly in places which have little scatterings of Barrett states, um, mm. will tell you that actually Mondeo Man was with us. Mondeo Man is now mm. a comrade. You know, the, 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 the Barrett Home Man mm. was actually fairly... Barrett Home Man might have, grud- have grudgingly voted Labour. Uh, Barrett Woman will usually have enthusiastically voted Labour. Whereas the people that absolutely hate us and wanted us killed were generally elderly voters in kind of right-to-bide suburban housing estates in kind of like 1930s council mm. estates on the outskirts of industrial cities. Those are the people that were basically, you know, that, that, that drove that political shift because there's way more of them. Whereas people in their 20s mm. and 30s who have a couple of kids who moved into those places who were the people that Labour desperately wanted in 1997 and then got. Jeremy Corbyn mainly got those people. Um, what he didn't get is the people that voted for him in the nineteen that voted for Labour in the nineteen eighties. So it has shifted a bit, and I, mm. I think there is a kind of like people living in crap new houses with young families are actually not the drivers of conservatism anymore. Mm. So there's an element there that they're the drivers of Audi A threes. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Um, so the. Um, <laughs> That's the yin and yang ah. of this show, Owen. <laughs> I list a car, you don't know what yeah, it is. I think it's very funny, though, that we've, uh, like, this, this is this is a sort of critique of, uh, like, political analysis is while we were trying to pin down a type of guy, um, mm. he aged 20 years beneath us. Uh, as we mm. were like, uh, guys who live in, in Barrett homes, meanwhile, the, you know, we go through from the 1980s to the 2000s, or from the 2000s to the 2020s, and the mm. type of guy that we're trying to look for has completely gotten away well, from Well, because us. the guy is a different mm. guy, so, um, yeah. you know... No, stay mm. in your box, stay the same guy forever, don't age, don't yeah. move, yeah. Someone, you know, a kind of someone who's sort of petty bourgeois and 32 with a couple of kids, was doing pretty fucking well in the late 1980s. They're doing pretty badly now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's... Mm. And the kind of interesting thing about that for me is that basically this is shit housing. This is very this is poor mm-hmm. quality housing. And in the 1980s, people were living in poor quality housing and thinking it was wonderful. And now people are living in poor quality housing and thinking it's poor quality and generally being dissatisfied mm. with their lot. So I think that's progress. But as to what kind of guy they are, like, I, I saw the Dino <laughs> thing, and I don't know, maybe uh, I'm just not doom-pilled enough, but I was a little bit like, I've, I've not met him. Maybe I've just not kept in enough touch with the people I went to school with. I left Facebook. I don't know. But definitely canvassing. You'd get, a lot of people would go to those new build estates and be kind of like, oh, they don't hate us. And then go to, and yeah. then go mm. to the place where like, they were supposed to be getting out of the Labour vote, and it was then that they were kind of like, you know, you're going to bring in Shari or fuck off. Yeah, well, yeah, and, that's and right. You we know are. what? They were right. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's mm-hmm. this. This sort of is, is worth talking about as well. I think, and 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 oh, and the sort of these this point you make as well. Like, no, these are people in kind of crappy housing that are uh, where it's not. Um, where they, they they don't necessarily like that they're in crappy housing. I think this actually brings us quite neatly into um, what uh, it what Engels wrote about this in his uh, pamphlet, the housing question. Um, Barrett houses are shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't, don't get them. out of them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Barrett houses drafty as hell. Stay away from yeah. them. Said Engels. One of the weird things I won't tell you is that uh, uh, Engels, uh, Hitler, and Freud—they all lived in Barrett homes in uh, Vienna in 1913. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Red Vienna, when the communist government built a load of Barrett homes. That's well, right. yeah. um, we'll, 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 we'll have to come to that, because oh. that's exactly what Militant did in the 1980s when they controlled Liverpool. So uh, we'll, we'll have to come oh, to this okay. point. Barrett homes. In large numbers. Um, so uh, the, ba- the basics of sort of what Engels says about housing, as shouldn't surprise anyone, suggests that housing, uh, as it is experienced by most people, is defined mm. by two forces that are in tension with one another. Shocking. Mm. Some um, kind of a dialectic. Some, there yeah. might be some kind of a dialectic at play here, folks. I hate it when two forces are in tension with each other. Um, <laughs> so, capital. He writes, you know, uh, the the housing question is actually written as a response, much as so many of these guys' writings were. It's basically written as like an posting. angry response to someone else. It was posting. Right. It was posting. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was Twitter. But, yeah, he said. He said mm. basically, look, to house workers usefully to capital and to derive maximum value from those houses as a commodity. Those two um, uh, uh, forces are in tension with one another. That is to say, you want to house workers so that they can be close to where you need them to be mm. to work and they can live healthily yeah, and in, so on. In, in like the ISO cube in the corner yeah. of the factory that you can stack on top of one another. But mm. having a, uh ISO cube that won't make them ill to live in is more mm. expensive than having an ISO cube that will make them ill to live mm. in. So mm. there is a tension as to, well, how do you house workers? Well, similar... Well, you have to like you have to stop extracting from them at some point, and capital never wants to do that. Um, and so the, the the other thing, right, that Engels talks about in in this nineteenth century paper is again should strike people as a quite modern question, right? Uh, which is a, a modern answer to this question, which is he talks about uh, the solution to a how the housing crisis created by these conflicting needs of capital mm-hmm. is working class home ownership. Um, where you see, but and so Engels sees this as a problem because he's focusing mainly on like labor as traveling factory labor. So he's like, yeah, but if you mm-hmm. own your home, then you're rooted to one spot, and then you're not going to be able to like go to other jobs. So your fa- so your factory worker boss will be able to reduce your wage. That's kind of less important now. Um, but what he does talk about that I think mm-hmm. is still important now is uh, heavy and rising mortgage debts in order to purchase a home, which will basically become a financialized asset, which makes them more indebted and therefore vulnerable to exploitation by capital. Um, and uh, he seems sort of quite sort of prescient there. Um, and the other thing he notes is that homeownership would ideologically incorporate workers by inculcating basically an individualist attitude as they're yeah, sort of owning separated a, from Owning a house mm. makes you a Tory, which we've <laughs> we've kind of been over because that's you know, that was Thatcher's base was people who were able to like buy their their, their council housing at like knockdown rates and then uh, became infected with Tory brain. Yeah, so the mm. so the, the I think the 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 And si- also mad cow disease. <laughs> no, it's called Tory brain. Oh, right. <laughs> the simpler conclusion here is that you is that by Putting someone into a suburb and then working them with that by indebting someone an enormous amount and putting them into a suburb, mm. and that means they have to work flat out to barely service their debts, spend a long time very isolated from one another in cars, driving to and from work with talk radio and so on. The thesis basically is that that's, an, that's a force that makes someone more sort of paranoid, reactionary, and American, right? Mm. I'm not saying that's necessarily what, what's happening, but I think that's, that's the thesis that's being advanced. If you wanted to sort of take Engels and sort of pull him into modernity a little bit more, sort of yank him out of his time and deposit him in a, mm. in a Barrett housing estate outside of Burnley, um, and then, you know, told him about radio and so Engels on. Engels would lose his fucking <laughs> mind if he saw a Barrett home. <laughs> That's, that, that sort of, I think, is the theory. But Owen, you're talking about how that, that, that wasn't necessarily borne out, at least not in, not in your experience. 
there, there, you know, there is that basic idea, and it goes back a long way. You know, there's the um, the guy that basically kind of pioneered the, the sort of mass-produced tiny suburban house who ran the the the, 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 the Levitt company and built the various Levitt towns. Yeah, um, had that whole thing about someone who owns their own home and lot can never be a communist, and that being that 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 being the plan. Um, and I just don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't entirely tally with where people, you know, went for Bernie Sanders or went for Jeremy Corbyn. Like, you know, that the, mm. um, obviously Sanders had enormous popularity in places like Southern California that mm. just sprawl on forever in endless suburban houses. So I'm not really sure. See, I, I, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is I have a sort of aesthetic and town planning revulsion against this stuff. Because I think it's a waste of space. It looks horrible. It's a bad way of building cities. They produce places with very little character. I mean, you know, I grew up in the south of England, so I know mm. these places quite well, and they're miserable. Um, but whether or not they actually do make people into Tories, I think they can, but I don't know if that, that necessarily means that they do. And the militant example of this is, is, is kind of fun. Because basically in the mid-'80s, when, when, when militant ran Liverpool, they demolished huge swathes of kind of red Vienna style, kind of big, you know, courtyard tenement blocks and replaced them with houses where they got in people like Barrett and Bovis and so on and all these people to build um, the same thing that they would build for, for the private market. And that was seen as an aspirational thing of like, you are building council houses to the standard of the private house of the day. Unfortunately, the private house of the day was terrible. And the other thing, and, and, and yeah. so, you know, a lot of that stuff is very bleak. And if you walk around the inner suburbs of Liverpool, there's this very strange sensation that you have where you're kind of, on the one hand, in one of the most kind of interesting and urban cities in the country, and then suddenly you're in Basingstoke. And it's pretty weird. Um, but it's not made people in Liverpool any more, left, any, any more right-wing. So um, I think there's more a sort of specific thing that happens, which is about kind of debt and fear. Um and I think that's probably more, more more to do with it than the simple question of, of mm. ownership itself, um, and also just the value of Sorry, the asset. To clarify, when we say when we say debt, do you mean the fact that many of these houses will be sold at like a five percent down, exorbitantly high mortgage? Yeah, and so absolutely. On? So creating um, sort of stress. People are paying off their mortgages for a long time and so on mm. and so forth. Um, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. So um, mm. it's pretty. It's quite hard to kind of zero in about what makes them so objectionable. I think it's mainly just the fact that they look <coughs> dreadful. Yeah, so I, th- I think like what we can say is whether or not it did it did sort of have that effect of sort of mm. you know, creating those generations of, of more right-wing voters. One thing I think is, is probably pretty undeniable is that um, Thatcher certainly because if this was this came up under thatcher laurie barrett the guy who started barrett holmes was a close personal friend of thatcher for much of his life no yeah what that's yeah. crazy that's, that's fucking nuts um and that this the the intention i think was was to at if not it was to americanize the country right mm. and i think you you don't you don't make um you don't make a <laughs> but country not by building spacious houses on spacious lots, <laughs> not no. by doing any of the things that are good about no. American it's houses. It still has to be mansions without the mansion. That's the interesting thing about them. I mean, mansions yeah, yeah, yeah. might, might mm. be horrible, but <laughs> you look the at them; at least they're big. Like these these things yeah, are tiny. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and so it's the it's, it's and I think it's it's worth thinking as well, like that the suburban neighborhood is um 
the, the creation of a suburb, of a suburb uh, as would it would be understood in, in America, right? A large residential-only neighborhood of cul-de-sacs mm. of identical or nearly identical houses that is accessible primarily, if not only, by car. Um, it's, it is whether or not you go with the sort of relatively more simplistic view of suburbs equals conservatives, it is still deeply political. It's political in its creation. Mm. For example, uh, this is actually a quote from um, a piece on Levittown in the U.S., which is the first suburb built on Long Island, or the first suburb as we would know it in this style built in Long Island, which is that uh, at its peak, they were completing one house every 16 minutes um, using systems well-known to American automobile manufacturing, but new to home building. Uh, employing only non-union subcontractors and unskilled workers who would go from house to house, each performing only one of 26 highly specialized steps in the overall assembly process using thoroughly standardized materials purchased directly from the manufacturers. And I, that's one of the most important things. Like, this is something that's very important, but also very overlooked, is that the creation of a suburb in this way mm. is also like... It's the, the theory is, yeah, it's, it, you don't become a communist if you live and own, own a house and a lot, but you also have a, build, a, a building trade that is um, more easily freed from union um, influence if you are building identical suburbs. Or at least that was, again, the theory uh, that uh, Levitt, uh, that the Levitt brothers sort of put forward when they built Levittown. I mean, the thing with, the thing with Barrett homes is that they're not actually that mechanized compared to something like mm. Levittown. They're, they're- Pretty laborious. If you look at these things going up, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's sort of wood frames and brick and it's it basically building houses more or less in the nine, as they were built in the 19th century. And it's pretty, it's, it's fairly wasteful, you know, it's, and that's one of the reasons why the things are expensive is that and the enormous price of land is that these things that are shit yeah. being, being quite expensive. But there's something I want to talk about the politics of it that we've not really touched on, which is about the way they're laid out. Um, and that, mm. That comes from, you know, that they're always in these kind of cul-de-sacs. They never have a kind of like, they're never in squares, they're never in streets. There's never a kind of, you know, that there's always the most minimal or non-existent public space. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that comes from, again, the US is, is, is the culprit for it, comes from the idea of defensible space, which was very popular among mm-hmm. like American liberal sociologists mm-hmm. in the 70s, and then the right took it and ran with it. And it basically, it's based on one of those, you know, those sorts of things where you um, you have lots of pseudoscience where you go, we put rats in a tower block and they hated it. Therefore, people will hate them too. And there's a kind of thing where, um, <laughs> you know, this idea that if you have public space, people don't know what it is. They don't understand it. It's like, if it doesn't belong to anybody, it belongs to nobody. So therefore, you get crime, misery, and blah, 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 blah. And so you completely kind of break that sort of structure, which which unifies both kind of nineteenth century housing of the grid, or kind of post-war housing where you have kind of blocks in green space or blocks around squares. Um, and instead, you have these kind of endless sort of looping cul-de-sacs and kind of long looping roads. Um, and you get a lot of kind of you know they're, they're, they're places where when you walk into them when you're not you're not from there, you immediately have that feeling that everyone is watching you. And there's frequently, you know, then the sign next to that, or usually a neighbourhood watch sign to remind you that, that you are, in fact, being watched by the neighbourhood. Um, and that's all very, very deliberate. And it all comes from this kind of idea of defensible space that was then codified into law in the UK in the 90s and the programme called Secured by Design, where basically the layout of any housing estate had to have these, uh, the OK of the police force. And they loved stuff like this because it's incredibly easy to police. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's very difficult for, for criminals to escape. 
And this this mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is pretty much one of the worst things about them, I think, is that 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 not only kind of creates a certain level of kind of paranoia and insularity, it also this makes them miserable to walk around because any mm-hmm. you know any kind of uh, connection with a surrounding area with a high street or what have you is deliberately made difficult because those would be through roads which criminals might escape through. Um, so yeah. you know this can't have that. Yeah, who goes on a through exactly, road? Someone who needs exactly. to go through. Um, and yeah. <laughs> you know, why aren't they driving? Um, yeah. The milkman is absconding with my wife on this through road. Well, the milkman will be fine. <laughs> He's in a vehicle. In a cul-de-sac. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and also you know they also very rarely have pavements as well. They do, and she's also um, very American. Yeah, obviously, as you know, uh, they very mm-hmm. rarely have pavements. But uh, yeah, I think there's there's a big part of this this idea of um, I, I think I, I want to sort of focus on this idea of public space as well, right? Where the public space really is. There's the, you cannot hang around your home. You can go into your garden, but you can't go to a park. You can't walk to someone else's house. You go from your space to your space to, um, I don't know, the, um, the, center, uh, the center of town where you can maybe go to a restaurant. But what this reminds me of is this reminds me of Georgetown in, in the U.S., Georgetown, which is near Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., uh, has the, had this sort of multi-decade sustained campaign to prevent the establishment of, uh, a, of a bus line that would go from uh, inside, uh, go from DC to Georgetown across a bridge, based on the idea that once again a bus might bring in an undesirable element, as though essentially, <laughs> um, you know, like vandals and criminals are going to all pile onto the bus, and then as it trundles across the bridge, they will then sort oh, of, you know, I can't wait to vandalize something. <laughs> I can't, I cannot wait to <laughs> knock down this Georgetown mailbox, essentially. <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, it's sticking this- your baseball bat out the window of the bus and just <laughs> knocking the mailboxes off. It's, but it's it's the same idea. I think this idea that danger comes from without, and um and, and and that anything that is not defended by someone will immediately become overtaken and defended by uh, teenagers in hoodies. Right, that seems to be the attitude uh, the behind defensible Being space. Hugged by David Cameron. Yeah, David Cameron can't hug them all, my love. No, he can't. <laughs> he is but one man. He's but one he's man. The man of a lot of cabinet ministers to text. He, you yeah, know, give right. him a break. <laughs> yeah, hope you're doing well in the heart of the through road. <laughs> all best, DC. <laughs> yeah, but it's the but through roads bring in the unfamiliar, and cul-de-sacs are supposed mm. to. It's. It is the yeah you can bring in the familiar atomized yeah. because if you're not yeah. atomized you're being threatened, and so whether or not I think this works as a as a uh, a method for sort of you know creating conservative voters you certainly see the logic to it it's mm. the same the same underlying principles of ownership exclusion and then security through defense because I mean you could also look at like the the altern the main alternative anti suburban um sort of theory of the city is you know your your standard Jane Jacobs who says well no actually what creates a safe place is more through roads and more mixed use and more people and eyes on the street that are not sort of suspiciously watching you because they want to judge whether or not you should be there but eyes on the street that are Sort of almost there, sort of as a as a friendlier greeting, almost like mm. Jake J- Jacobs imagines, like a the shopkeeper leaning out the window or what have you, right? I mean, it seems sort of like, like an, an antithetical. Um, it is the logic is antithetical to that. It seems. Yeah, that's basically true. Although one of the critiques of Jane Jacobs is that she overlooks one of the reasons for the low crime in her bit of Manhattan in the early sixties, being the presence of the mafia 
So I guess Neighborhood Watch kind of reproduces some of the, the presence of the mob mafia. Up the Barrett Estates. That's the answer. We gotta get Phil Leotardo onto the Barrett Estate to yeah. clean these things up. It's a nice Audi A3 you got there. That's the sport line edition. Be a shame if something were to uh, happen if to it. If the Tiptronic uh, shifting uh, solution were to uh, I'd say uh, stop functioning at such speed. That's right. Yeah. It's a shame if someone were to pass a magnet over the car's internal computer. Yeah, you wouldn't like to see that. Could get yeah. very nasty. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I, the the I, I do like the idea of all of a sudden like uh, the the garbage collection in the Barrett Estate being taken over yeah. by a couple of fat guys in Hawaiian <laughs> Listen, shirts. Pal, if you don't start kicking up to the bin, man, you're gonna be eating Nando's through a fucking straw, capiche? <laughs> <laughs> no, but so um, but I I think that's that's excellent to sort of. That's, that's, that's an excellent point to raise regardless that it's not just mm. the houses it's not just the people it's the system of houses mm. it's the idea of making an estate with one entrance and many cul-de-sacs that yeah. is defensible that the police like also I feel, so like, I feel like you can sort of defend our original idea here of uh, this, this place makes you a reactionary right in that like how, how much can you say that a person isn't a reactionary just because they offer support for, you know, Bernie Sanders or Jeremy Corbyn? It's not necessarily, uh, like, particularly if you're on some hugely explosive yeah, How do I feel about Kim Jong-un? Yeah, but like, no, but if, you, if genuinely, if you would quite like free broadband and you're not too fussed about, like, uh, you know, a lot of other stuff, but you are in favor of, like, a bit more, you know, a tiny bit extra ratcheting back on the whole, uh, you know, massive inequality thing. I don't think that necessarily makes you uh, not an Are you, you su suggesting yeah. that electoral politics might not be the only measure of people's opinions and views? <laughs> I'm shocked to the core. I All I, right, that's I, I'm it. suggesting it might be a weakness of no. the, the candidates that the left has. No, 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 no. <laughs> Next we'll have a sort of, you know, the electoral politics might not, might not map entirely onto class, but then we're in. Alison Owen, these are heresies. What's definitely, definitely, definitely <laughs> true is the very, very close link with the Tory party. And the, um, you know, the big uh, kind of, before Barrett became like the synonym for this, for this kind of crap development, the synonym was Bovis. And Bovis mm. was, of course, run by the top neoliberal ideologue and supporter of eugenics, Sir Keith Joseph, who was um, mm. Thatcher's probably closest political ally and advisor. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> the link is incredibly strong. And that... I Thatcher just loved builders. <laughs> <laughs> He's just hanging out. Thatcher had a no-show job on the site. She's just there, <laughs> sat in a lawn chair, talking to all the guys. Oh, show us your tool belt. Yeah. As, as, as we mentioned earlier, Thatcher moved into one, uh, not too yeah. far from where I went to I school. Spider, she moved, she moved into one in Dulwich, and also yeah. she commissioned the architect, Quinlan Terry, a man that believes the classical orders were sent by God, um, to remodel 10 Downing Street. Mm. So she was very into kind of like crap traditional housing to the point, I think, to I, the I think point the where she thing. made 10 Downing Street into a crap traditional house. Hmm. Amazing. <laughs> That's kind of look a bit like... Well, anyway, like the thing that amuses me about her Barrett house is that a, it's not a regular Barrett house. It's a stretch Which Barrett is house. It is, it, is a oh, like, it, yeah. it, it is a Barrett McMansion, that one. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like when you see like a larder where they've taken each end off and then put an extra bit in the middle. 
Instead of the kind oh, of like yeah. square. Alice, why do you get a picture of my car? <laughs> it's just been like extruded that little bit, uh, that little bit further, which I appreciate a lot. But the other thing that I like about Margaret Thatcher's Barrett House is that she couldn't stand living in it. Absolutely awesome. despised yeah. trying to live in it for any length of time. That's why she's dead. Yeah, yeah. Margaret Mar- Mar- Thatcher killed by a large Barrett house. No, she yeah. moved. Um, she moved out to like um, I don't know some. some no, she like, she moved out to the um to a mansion in Belgravia yeah. that was given to her for like a sort as like a favor from like some war criminal she did favors for awesome. or whatever. Yeah. Awesome. Um. Yeah, I would take the mansion in Belgravia over the uh, the McMansion in Dulwich, and and, and so would she, because despite yeah, having like did. reconfigured the entire country to be more yeah. like, uh, more I have like to Jesus hand States. it to Thatcher on this one specific <laughs> issue, she was right about that. Which of, of the two houses was living better? In it, she didn't. Yeah. She didn't want to do it. Which, yeah, I, I yeah, respect so that. We we don't, I don't think we know who who owned the Belgravia mansion she lived in uh, until her death in 2013. Um, a guy, but it was yeah, a, it was only a nice Augusto, guy. Not sure I, what the surname was. I can tell you this: it was owned by a company based in the British Virgin Islands. Oh, so okay. probably oh, someone yeah. who owed her a debt of gratitude for some kind of national of anti of denationalization of something. Hmm. Um. Anyway, so uh, the, the the history of of Barrett and the Tory Party, uh, just a history of Barrett generally, um, is you know it's it's started in fifty eight. Um, it now builds sort of some tens of thousands of the low tens of thousands of houses yearly. But again, this is a, it, it, the story that they tell about themselves anyway, is that uh, Laurie Barrett one day just decided to build a house out of some bricks he found. Um, and yeah, then that's how it works. Yeah. And then he's like, then he built two more and sold them. And then he did the things where you keep just the like thing about houses yeah. is that they reproduce through meiosis. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. You don't have to learn things to become a builder. There's no skills involved. You just find some bricks, and then you find some land, and you just build on it. Yeah, you put, and then you're a builder. Well, you put the bricks in a little find pile. Some land. Yeah, and then you make the pile bigger. Yeah, you get together with some other pigs. <laughs> so and you build. You get some <laughs> straw. <laughs> and this is the clever part. Yeah. <laughs> no, so um, basically, the idea was of the company that he had in the sort of uh, through the 50s and 60s was as sort of Britain. He sort of slowly begins building these houses, not in these giant um, communities yet. But the idea is that he wants to build a house as a kind of one-stop shop for homeowners, from building, mm. conveyancing, maintenance. You just bring the linen, and then you've got the house that Barrett decides you should have. Yeah, nothing, um, nothing else though. Don't like bring any sort of like no. individual lifestyle thing to this. No, certainly not. Well, that would be counter-revolutionary, Alice. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. To bring an individual lifestyle. Look, you yeah. have been given. You have been given because every, that's what everyone hates about communi- about communist countries, right? Is mm. that you get given these crappy, identical places to live that's yeah. the same as everyone else, oh, and it that sucks. it's like and that's and everywhere you live has to be approved by the security services of the country as well, <laughs> right? Like you have to agree on the layout of where you're going to live, and then you don't get to like make your thing look different from anyone else's, and like it's always falling apart. And worst of all, you just know that it's crap because the guy who was behind it got a huge kickback from the government to do it. Hmm. Yeah, you hate to see that. You really do. You're like, it's and it's job, it like more here. more insulting that the only way you're allowed to sort of express identity on it is like patriotically. So you can uh. put your country's <laughs> flag on it, or maybe some mm. like sort of related slogans, particularly at certain times of the year. But like, yeah. uh, you know, nothing, nothing too subversive. 
Yeah, well, oh, I, no heavens, no. What I love about this, because we, we've d- discussed them kind of being primarily accessible by car and it being a sort of like Americanized concept of suburbia, which is that most of these uh, Barrett-type developments are also really shit places to have a car. Like, most of the houses don't have parking spaces, and the ones that do, the parking spaces are kind of too small to really fit, like, an actual car in. Mm-hmm. And so most of them are, like, the they have would parked never get cars, there. like, on the pavement on both sides of the street, which means they're a fucking nightmare to drive down and a nightmare to park your car on if you do own one. Uh-huh. Even though they're kind of, th- that. this is your development if you're the car guy. Well, but I think- it also, like, they can't even afford to have parking well, one one of the things, right, is that is that I mean I <laughs> is that I think Brit- Britain, especially sort of in its neoliberal era, sort of as we get mm. into Thatcher, uh, and then oh, and I'm interested to hear sort of how the, how you react to this idea is much more of like a state capitalist economy than the yeah. U.S. It's a little bit more. It's where we do we do have you do have like your house builder. It's just like there's mm. like two of them. And so, yeah. and so, even by the logic of that competition produces better outcomes result, there actually is very little competition between these guys. They've, they've mostly either carved up the country into like their areas, or they're just sort of, ha- they know they have like the benefit of these sort of government um, blessings to carry on about their well, business. Also, they're building shit that's identical to the other guy. So it's yeah. not really competition. But it's I, more like price fixing. I, I want to I know sort of, <laughs> Owen, how you sort of, how you react to the idea that this is especially house building uh, since sort of the, the Barrett revolution has been basically state capital. I mean, it's true insofar as probably the, you know, a lot of the land will have been public land that's sold off. Um, mm. You know, we never had land nationalization, tragically. Um, but we did, a, a huge amount of land was taken into public ownership between the late 19th century and the 80s. And a lot of these kind of weird little pockets with shitty estates on, they are on usually either kind of publicly owned land that got sold off or they're often on, you know, land that would have been part of kind of railways or state-run industries. Um, and mm. so there is that sense of, you know, there being, okay, we'll parcel this out and, and uh, give it to our our guy who just happens to be uh, one of our donors. And it's the kind of just mundane corruption that we that, that, that we know and love in this country. Yeah. And if you want to ask yourself, like, if you are in one of those houses, if you want to ask yourself, how come I have this ruinous mortgage? Uh, how come I can't park my car anywhere that I need to get to like pay for this ruinous mortgage? How as well do I like... Um, wh- why are there so many drafts in my house? Why has it been put up so crappily? Mm. Um, a lot of it goes back to, well, uh, I'm sorry, but the the housing minister in whatever decade owed either Laurie Barrett or the Taylor Wimpy, or whatever, a favor. So, sorry. I guess that's the house you get now. Fuck mm. you. Yeah. And again, in America, it's a bit different. It's usually, in America, it would have been farms. It's uh, big, mm. big privately owned farms. This is in the case of Levittown. Levittown was built on an onion farm. Yeah. Um, mm. But it would then be, it would be farms that get converted into these things. But in yeah. Britain, it's sort of a little more... A little more sort of involved. That's not entirely uncommon here either, is it? Because you think a lot of the, I mean, not necessarily Barrett, but a lot of like housing estates are named after farms that they were built on. And like, that's certainly like, I grew up in Harlow in Essex, which is a new town uh, where a lot of housing was built by the local authority at the time and also sucks in a different pebble dashy kind of way. (laughs) Um, But yeah, lots of it, lots of it is like old, old farms and has the names of those farms as the names of the estates. Uh, and, and, And also, we talk about a symbiotic relationship with the Tory party that goes on today. For example, yes, we're, but Laurie Barrett and Margaret Thatcher, great friends. But also, like, if you just Google 
um, like, like Tory Party uh, Barrett Holmes, you'll see sort of announcements in and in, in different uh, art like publications of oh yeah, this person leaves CCHQ to join Barrett Holmes yeah, so, and so some on kind and so of on. Door, not sure yeah. what 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 specific type of door we're talking about. Yeah. If you're going to Google something like that, though, be sure as a palate cleanser afterwards just to quickly Google Venezuela. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't wanna, just for balance. Yeah, just you make, make sure, sure you Google it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, um, uh, 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 he was knighted in 82 and stepped mm. back from the running of Barrett uh, sort of some years later, um, lived in Corbridge in Northumberland, uh, and uh, had a 5,000 acre estate for shooting. Mm-hmm. Um and oh, so uh, when I want a yeah. one fence to shoot bottles and cans off of, that's like alarming the public. But this yeah. guy, yeah, I'm well, imagining a five thousand acre housing estate on which, but he's mm-hmm. only populated it with wildlife which he hunts, mm-hmm. like riding a horse around a fucking uh, a Barrett Holmes estate that's just full of deer. <laughs> Just like an entire like like Blenheim Palace with the exact same form, but the texture that's been applied to it is Barrett House brick. <laughs> yeah, so you got like a hundred Audi A3s parked out front. <laughs> yeah, 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 a carriage drawn by a harness of Audi A3s. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have the I I have my my um my my Land Rover Defender which I have at a, at a mere forty nine percent APR financing with which I shall hunt these deer. Mm. Um. So uh, he is uh, then actually dies um after uh he and his at an armed robbery uh in his home. Oh, some practice uh, where, happened to him. Yeah, they they may have uh taken some of the deer, uh mm. potentially one of the swans, uh yeah. or maybe even um. One of his prized hatchbacks. <laughs> One of his prized uh, sport course, crossovers. He, they wouldn't yeah. have been able to get in if he hadn't been living in a bar at home because they simply knocked on the door and it fell in. <laughs> mm. I, somehow I don't think Laurie Barrett's living in a bar at home. No, I'm sticking with this idea because mm. I find it amusing. And uh, I think like, we talk sort of about the, the... There's a direct relationship between the House Builders and the Conservative Party. I mean... I mean, you remember we talked about this when it was happening, but uh, Richard Desmond and Robert Jenrick, mm. uh, this sort of donation after donation after donation from house builders to Tories. And that's because despite the fact that, you know, t- uh, they may sort of they wish it were otherwise, people mm. still do need to live in shelter in order to work. Yeah. Right? And this is the only shelter that's being built. And it well, precisely because the, the whole the whole strategy sort of uh, that happened in the 80s and 90s was to basically destroy public house building and concentrate instead they basically, but it's instead of saying they destroyed public house building, I'd say what they did was they privatized the the creation of mass housing, um, mm. and that essentially that that and and there and every policy up up since then has been to make sure that that market keeps working and that the value of all these assets keeps going up forever, and so every single policy since since right to buy it was right mm. from right to buy to help to buy. To some, um, uh, those are the big ones. I'm, I'm sure Owen, you know, sort of many others, but has been basically in the furtherance of we need to keep on solving that contra that the, the contradiction that Engels poses up front, which is workers need housing to work and capitalists need workers to work, but capital, but the housing capitalists, if you like, those who own housing capital, mm. uh, don't want to provide anything like anything good for people who you know might not be able to afford it, mm. and so thing is a. The, the struggle has consistently been how do we, without changing any kind of property relationship, mm. make sure that this keeps working? And every single time, what it translates into is 
more money for Lori Barrett or his equivalents, basically. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, one of the things, if you kind of look at the, the kind of sheer numbers, is that this particular hmm. system builds far less than the previous system of, of, of local authorities building most of the mass housing. Um, and one of the reasons for that is obviously the, the enormous price of land, but also the kind of land banking they go into. And there's a kind of, there's a sort of myth that the kind of more simple-minded kind of Adam Smith Institute type Tories, the people that really believe in capitalism, who I think are quite a, quite a small but very online category, um, that they um, tend to have this idea of what builders want to do is build, of course. They love doing it. You know, every single bar at home brings them joy. Yeah. They just desperately want to kind of make these things. And of course, this is yeah, nonsense. Owns your place and builders I mean, but there's a thing. But the, the, the thing <laughs> of it is, of course, it's nonsense what they want. And, you know, it's difficult not to sound like a selling socialist worker at this point. But, you know, what they want is to make a profit. And so they have enormous land banks. Mm. And it's very much in their interest that the price of land keeps going up and up and up. Um, mm. And so actually, you know, by the standards of like the 20th century, they build bugger all. They really don't build that much. It, it's, it's noticeable, this mm. stuff, because outside the big cities, outside the kind of blocks of flats that are built in the centres of London and Manchester and, 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 and Liverpool and Leeds, outside of there, this is all there is. This is all the new housing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes very conspicuous. Um, but, you know, yeah, as as uh, the comrade from Harlow Newtown will know, you know, and 70 years yeah. ago, they just built entire towns. And this does not happen now. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and I mean, we, we, would we say it doesn't happen simply because the, the home builders realize the economics of it changed because they could just, because they want to access government guaranteed loans and through things like, you know, right to buy, uh, help to buy rather. Like what, what, what caused this to change? Or did they just realize, hey, wait a minute, we make sort of money hand over fist more or less just by existing because the Tory party needs us to keep existing. Why don't we stop spending money on building stuff and continue just buying ourselves ivory what if, back what scratchers? If, what if we were more of a vibe, actually? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the question is like, what's what? What is it that changed, or was it just a realization that they didn't really need to build homes anymore because they were so ingrained? Uh, I think I've already answered this question. You know, what what what, <laughs> what changed was the housing system went from a kind of system which, despite various flaws, was mainly about the provision of housing into a system that returned to what it was in the 19th century, which was a mechanism to make large quantities of money for a small group of people. And that's why it is as it is. I hate that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 that's why yeah. I, I, I remember this feeling of like in the last kind of two years of just like becoming more and more kind of vulgar Marxist because just everything is just so obvious and in your face. And, and this is very much one of those things. It is just like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like the, the guy selling the paper outside of Astor is more right about this than, than like you are with your like, you know, elaborate analysis of the mystery of capital. It's like, no, it's just about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, housing really is one of the places you can see that. It's very, it's very obvious the corruption that goes on. Mm. Yo, it's, I, it's- I feel like I look at a lot of things. I think this the housing provision is like a good example, but I think it applies to the economy generally, where I feel like all of the big companies are effectively engaging in the economics of the game Kaplunk, uh, where the, the important thing is that they continue to make a profit, right? Which is that the balls don't fall out of the bottom of the Kaplunk tower. But what they need to do is to uh, not spend as much money on the, the Kaplunk sticks 
that keep the balls up there. And a lot of people, you know, who live in the tower, they're like, well, we quite like the sticks. And they're like, yeah, no, but the sticks are causing problems. We're going to keep removing the sticks. The, the, all that can remain is the absolute minimum number of sticks that will be required to keep the balls from falling out of the tower. And then once that's done, then you start sort of filing those sticks down to the minimum possible rigidity required to stop the entirety of society collapsing. Uh-huh. And so, like, you stop having discussions about, like, okay, we're going to build a house. Like, what sort of house would people like to buy or live in? It's like, no, fuck them. Those cunts are going to buy it anyway because it's the only house there is. What is the cheapest fucking piece of shit house we can make them buy? <laughs> I, mean, I, th- I think that sort of comes down as well to, like, because the whole uh, the whole premise, right, of, mm. of the sort of home ownership revolution. Like, I mean, America didn't really have the home ownership revolution, mm. if only because it's a country built on free re- on the idea of free real estate. Yeah. If you want your home ownership revolution, just walk ten miles west, yeah. and no one's there as Slaps far as you're concerned. Country, as far as yeah. you're concerned, yeah. it's the crucial clause yeah. here. As far yeah. as you're concerned, no one's yeah. there. Yeah. Um. No. No one. No one who we care about. Yeah. Precisely. So. Uh. And so. And, and so they never had this homeowning revolution. Whereas I think in Britain there was this idea, because it's a it's, it's a country that wasn't built on you know this idea of sort of manifest yeah. destiny, free but, real estate. But, as far as we're concerned, important yeah. to note: not because we don't have enough space. No, uh, oh, heavens no. It's it's only that that space is mostly occupied by um, shooting estates, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like various various like uh, shooting estates. Uh, you know. Uh, Butter churns, sex woodlands, dangerous Something like a third of the country is grouse moor or something like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think I'm even yeah. exaggerating. No, 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 we're a free real estate country for grouse. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a grouse, sure, you can go wherever you want. Grouse, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's like a, that's the trade-off. It's like I can live on this grouse more for free. Let's just say you don't pay with money. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's yeah, it's true that most of Britain, it's not a, it's not a space issue; it's a land use issue, and mm. most of our land is used for like the aristocratic pursuit of hunting the most dangerous game. Yeah, just yeah. just used for nothing productive, yeah. nothing. But yeah, any but so the but the idea really was a ten year revolution for us. That mm. what we're going to do is we are going with the car. We have opened up these great houses, these great areas outside outside the city. And you know we we shall we shall open up choice as well rather than um rather than having to open up we shall give choice we shall give the working people of the country the freedom of the grouse. (laughs) 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 So you have the choice. You can you don't have to you know live in this live in some tiny box room with an apartment. You now have choice in a tiny box house to live in a yeah to live in a tiny box house. By the way, which where which. If you don't keep up with your crippling payments, mm. you will have to go back to the box room. Yeah. Uh, then the fucking you- Barrett Holmes mafia will come <laughs> and cripple you. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's another thing of the illusion of choice, which mm. is the on the big important stuff. You still like there is no consumer choice. It's fuck you. You get what we give you. And in this case, mm. it is um one of one of Rage Against the Machines. Less popular singles. <laughs> it's uh, you can choose to live in. You can choose to live in the Denford, which involves free flowing space a f- and a flexible terraced home. You could live flexible in flexible terraced home. Eh? You could live in the Ellerton. Yeah, it's made uh, out of rubber, which is ideal for modern family living. The Moresby, uh, which is mm. uh, double fronted, <laughs> which sounds like a 1970s pedophile. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the Maidstone. 
the Palmerston, the mm. Norbury, or Lord the Denby. Lord Palmerston. <laughs> uh, the Ennerdale, the Halton, the Hemsworth, the Kenford, the Kingsley, the Radley, or the Windermere. Any mm. number of... Those are the houses you can pick from one of those. That's your menu of fantastic housing that's available. The, the funny thing about this stuff, I suppose, is that you don't get it in big cities anymore, and you used to. I mean, the idea that you would build this stuff in Dulwich... Is not it's not mm. a thing anymore. You don't build cul de sacs in Dulwich anymore. You build, you know, stunning developments of you know six story blocks of flats, and they've been doing that for quite a while. And you know, I remember being quite shocked being in the Royal Docks at Barrier Park about fifteen years ago, and seeing like a huge, great big kind of white walled modernist block with Barrett signs all over it. Um, so you have. You know, Barrett will both kind of do for you the typical Barrett home and will do the supposed alternatives to the Barrett home and they'll both be equally bleak and badly built. They're very much capable of doing both. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's very much the, uh, the, 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 the uh, uh, vat that's uh, the two different labels of vat all coming out of one pipe. It's all the same thing, just sort of <laughs> extruded through different molds. More or less, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> I think I mean the kind of the 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 the, the thing to do, and I, I wonder if you if you've got some of this already, is just look at those '80s adverts and those '80s TV adverts. Oh, the one with the helicopter. Yeah, I mean, they're just mean? there's just so many of it's them. One of they're, they're, they're they're pretty monstrous. Yeah, well, uh, what's uh, what's your what's your favorite one of the uh, uh, '80s TV oh, adverts? God, actually, my my, my my favorite one is actually not a Barrettham advert at all, but it's the advert for Milton Keynes. Um, okay. With the small, the small child, so he's he's taken round uh, Milton Keynes. Uh, so, so, um, he's taken round uh, a city which we presume is London or Birmingham or Manchester, and he sees like mm-hmm. traffic and roadworks and tower blocks and black people and all sorts of things that you know he just shouldn't see the poor boy, and then he. Mm-hmm. Um, he reappears in Milton Keynes and it's just like, I wish I could live in Milton Keynes. And there's that kind of like, <laughs> you know, that 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 one of the really crucial things about when this stuff emerges in the eighties is it's predicated on like absolute fear and like racialized fear. And that that's the thing that again we mm. borrowed from from the US to yeah. a very large degree, <laughs> is that kind of idea that, you know, that that, that cities are deeply, deeply threatening. And what we're offering you is an alternative to, to them. Which makes it kind of yeah. curious how <coughs> they then start to build after 1997. They then start to build a lot of very urban housing. So they start to build the very thing that they are supposed to be, you know, supposed to be not. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a difficult one. There's a kind of like, you know, we like, there's a very, it's very easy to kind of like look at the bar at home and go, Adino lives here. But there is, I presume that at some point elsewhere in the recording, you have a gloss on Dino. Um, but the um, <laughs> the thing that I see day in, day out, having lived in London for my, you know, my entire adult life, is um, the, you know, the kind of riverside block of flats between, like, you know, six or 20 stories with uh, a estate mm-hmm. agent on the ground floor and a coffee shop. Um, and... Who lives there? Who are these people? Who is mm. buying this? What is it? And and I, and I find it a mystery in many ways. I've, I've I've very seldom ever been invited into one of these. And I, I suppose I kind of mm. have this picture of it being kind of vaguely like eyes wide shut. But 
I, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't move in the right circles, yeah, Owen. Yeah. You're not getting invited to these high class parties. So are, are, are you suggesting the that the but uh, but these um I mean I, I sort of see a lot of the buildings that sort of Barrett would be involved in as kind of kind of somewhat similar uh in theory to their um uh to their sort of you know uh, uh suburban development which are essentially we've worked out a this, way to isolate yeah. you in the city also. <laughs> Which are also like basically existing on the on the basis of a, a government um, credit guarantee, right? In yeah. terms of help to buy, it sort of harks back a bit more to the episode we did with India Block ages ago about the help to buy flats that were all built by Jeff Fairburn yeah. and all magically cost like four hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine pounds, yeah. regardless of what the flat was worth. I, I, I my I guess in in my to my mind it's that the the home builders fall and why I sort of mentioned the state capitalism thing earlier that what the home builders do is they sort of they look at what the government's going to subsidize uh, through either and and then they do that basically whether that's through making mortgages tax deductible whether that is um, uh, uh, guaranteeing uh, loans of new builds in otherwise expensive areas but again of sort of 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 it, guaranteeing those loans in such a way that often leaves the buyer saddled with sort of uh, a lot of debt for a difficult. But you know, this has always been this has always been true of suburbia. There's again, kind of going back to the kind of Adam Smith kids and and you know their, their deep belief in the reality of the free market. Like if you look at how kind of things like Levittown and the suburbanization of the US happened, it is a gigantic state investment, not just in you know. Mm. In the kind of uh, mortgages and loans that enable people to buy that stuff, which came from the GI Bill, um, also just in terms of the, the 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 you know the the freeway network and the interstate highway network, the, 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 you know these the, these things were without, without which the whole thing would have been totally impossible. Um, you know there was enormous state subsidy for suburbia, and there's this kind of idea that people like again the kind of a little simple-minded have of like. There is a state thing, which is you know public housing, uh, which all kind of looks like gigantic kind of uh, concrete panel blocks um, in Minsk, and then there is the the free market, which is you know the wonderful suburban house which everyone loves, and both mm. probably have a fairly comparable level of public subsidy and always have. <laughs> it's just, I, I have moved to beautiful ballot home. On outskirts of Minsk, <laughs> it is bit from potato. Yeah, it's isn't the, that basically <laughs> just Sergei Skripal? Uh, <laughs> so, maybe. I mean, it's um, <laughs> it, it, it. I I think this is. If we want to ask, right? Like, what is? What are our differences? Then, but if 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 governments are always involved in the large scale provision of housing, I guess what's different in Britain is that the developers are much more hateable. Uh, in as much as they tend to be much more, they tend to be, a lot of these things tend to be sort of happening through sort of direct, very direct, oh, insultingly direct political connections. Yeah, there's no um, point covering any yeah. of this stuff up. Yeah. Um, and it also, like, if you want to wonder what, if you wonder what Barrett's doing right now, they're not building homes. What they are doing is they're, they, they are working on decladding the homes that they built with flammable cladding at a profit. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, how could they have known that the cladding would be flammable, other than the you know the, yeah. the ratings? Of and the what are you going? And you could go out to the free market to find someone who's going to remove the cladding on the Barrett home. May I introduce you to Laurie Barrett wearing a fake mustache? <laughs> yeah, he's not even wearing the mustache. Just the free market just includes Laurie Barrett. 
Yeah. <laughs> who else knows how to declad a bar at home better than the man who clad it in the first place <laughs> when you think about it? Poacher turned gamekeeper. All on the same 5,000 acre estate. <laughs> and uh, so, like, so there's an example the uh, cityscape uh, development in Croydon. Uh, Barrett is set to make a. Love the 56... idea of Croydon having a cityscape, incidentally. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's set to make a yeah, 56. It? It's, uh, it's, it's the Manhattan yeah. of Surrey, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, 56 million pounds uh, that they're charging. Um, to be uh, 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 doing that, to be doing that, um, they're now be basically being forced uh, to um, uh, 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 buy back some of the flats at least. So, like, that's the thing. Like, you can get them to like not. You can get them to like stop being directly sadistic to the people who are unlucky enough to be in contact with them if the courts will force them to. Another example, I was mentioning this to you earlier, Owen, is the uh, leasehold scandal, mm. where a lot of suburban homes would be sold on a leasehold basis. So that companies like Barrett or Taylor Wimpy or whoever's developing them continue to collect a ground rent. But what's interesting about these is that the very low ground rent actually uh, doubled <laughs> frequently. <laughs> and it just kept doubling forever. And it doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled until <laughs> like you were having to pay 50,000 pounds a year ground rent for the house that you thought you owned. Incredible. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and again, like other oh, house builders would be like, oh, we didn't know how this happened. Oh, yeah, ground, crazy. the thing about ground rents is that they're entirely like organic, and yeah. you know uh, they just arise. You naturally. pay it to the ground. That's yeah, why it's exactly. ground. You rent. have to dig a hole, and you have to put some money in that hole in order to ensure a, a, a bountiful harvest. Yeah, this is the thing. This is what separates Britain from America: is that we love landlords. Like they mm. like landlords in America, but we love landlords. Like only the British could come up with something so perverse as you've bought a house, but you still have a landlord. <laughs> like that is so powerfully like the fucking turf fringe growing out of your forehead levels of Britain. Like the huge drum growing out of your stomach for you to bang at the football match. Like that is if you want to assimilate into this country, that's what you need to do. Um, and so then, like a lot of the. Essentially, uh, there was a huge uh, problem with this, right? Where you know companies like Persimmon were then forced to offer refunds, which means they must they must have known that this was like this was going to happen. But I guess if you're a housing developer in Britain and the Tories are in power, or I guess Labour is also in power mostly, mm. um, you kind of know that you can just try this shit and you'll get away with it. You can be like, yeah, you can just sort of build each house. Don't bother finishing it. Don't bother wiring it properly. We'll get away with it. Because you'll just get away with everything. Because what are we going to mm. do? Not have houses? And there's no other way to provide them. That's right. There isn't. As far as I can tell. Um, always has been. Yeah. but uh, So I want to just say, uh, um, Owen, do you have any final judgments on, uh, on, on Barrett, the history of Barrett, uh, or the housing situation in Britain generally with reference to its suburbanization? I mean, I don't know if it really is suburbanizing because the, the, the and again, this is this 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 connects with why it's all so small and all kind of miserable. Is the the the, the kind of the, the holy grail of the British property developer and builder is a load of tiny little houses on some green belt land that you're not allowed to build on, and um, because that's where mm. everyone that's where everyone just wants to build. That's where the demand is. The demand is essentially for housing between like Oxford and London um, on a kind of like, you know, vaguely rural 
site which you can build some little little kind of picture boxes on. And mm-hmm. the thing with that, you have this kind of creates this contradiction of like on the one hand, the Tories, you know, kind of uh, natural desire to 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 want to build and make profit out of things, and on the other, they're kind of um, obsessive hatred of all outsiders and all change. Um, Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. you know that that the, you can see that currently in the planning bill they're trying to force through, which is basically designed to make lots of kind of green belt and kind of you know southeastern countryside land safe for Barrett. Um, that all of these kind of shire Tories are up in arms about it, and that's why they have to have all of this mm-hmm. kind of create streets building beautiful kind of nonsense thrown into it, is to try mm-hmm. and convince those people that no, you're going to like it. It's going to be great, and you know, and and, and of course they're they're, they're desperately trying to stop it and it's why they lost that 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 seat in Buckinghamshire a, a few weeks ago so that that con- yeah. it won't be shit why would it be shit <laughs> just because the people who built the other exactly. shit are doing and it. so you know they're not stupid on that level so um so that mm. that means that the actual future is what's now in Vauxhall and Nine Elms and Battersea the actual future is loads and loads of empty 30-story blocks of flats in London and in Manchester and in Bristol and in Leeds, and that—that's what's actually going to happen. Um, and uh, and I don't know. Maybe after a certain point, Dino will live in them. I don't really know. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, you know, the glass swimming pool on the 30th story between the two towers in Nine Elms. I think I'm, about that all the time. I'm really looking forward to that being like uh, three stories above sea level. At which point, it will look like a really weird art installation. So maybe then in that case, it's not so much, it's, it's that the suburbanization happened for a while, but we're doing something else now, mm. effectively. Um, and, I, and I think also looking at the time, uh, I want to say uh, that was a very, uh, very interesting discussion. Thank you very much, You're Owen, welcome. for coming and participating in it. Uh, mm. If someone wants to say, read some words that may have been written associated with you, what on earth could they do to uh, do that? There's various places, but they should currently, the, the official answer is they should read the book Clean Living Under Difficult Circumstances, an anthology of my work for the last 15 years published by Verso Books, and they should subscribe to Tribune magazine where I am the culture editor. That's right. We get it to the studio. It's a good magazine. And if you have any money left over after that, don't forget there's a second episode of this podcast every week. And also you can buy a Barrett home. (laughs) Yeah, you can buy buy a Barrett home for 0.1% down. Yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) Don't ask about the interest rate. Don't ask about the lease. (laughs) That's right. It's fine. Look, it's Don't ask about the plug sockets. There aren't any. It's fine. (laughs) Well, do you rather the plug sockets get electrocuted in those? Yeah, exactly. It's safer. All right. uh, Thanks, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe to the Patreon once you finish uh, buying Mm. Owen's anthology. And uh, we'll see you uh, for the bonus episode in a couple of days. That's right. All right. Bye, everyone. I got a warrior's heart 
I put my life on the line What they want to do with Equatorial Guinea That's no business of mine That's no business of mine No business of mine I'll never face the ICC They'll never put the chains on me There's no Dutch caught in Harlem that could cancel me I got a warrior's heart I'm paid for risking my life Middle Eastern oil fields are my children And blood diamonds are my wife Heart. I live my life by the blade I don't care if you're a fascist dictator As long as I'm still getting paid I'm still getting paid I'm still getting paid I'm still getting paid I'll never face the ICC Don't ever put the chains on me There's no court in Harlem that can cancel me
Jack van der Klik, killed by white phosphorus while lighting a barbecue. Forever in our hearts, brother. We see you on the other side.